Welcome back to Point Blank, episode number 55. I'm Chantel Chan, joined alongside Akeem Haynes. Thank you so much for rocking with the show. If you've already subscribed to the channel, make sure to hit that like button as well, please, because it helps the channel grow. And if you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. And also remember to follow us on our social media channels. And you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. And you know what, Akeem, a big show. We got lots to talk about. But why don't we start off with the gridiron? Because, of course, so much going on in the NFL. One of the biggest storylines this season is Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos. What's going on with Russ? Is he cooked? <laughs> Let Russ cook. Is he cooked? <laughs> that was good. That was good, Chantel. Uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing for me, for Russ, is that I've seen is that he just doesn't look confident to me. You know, Russ has that style where it's a free-flowing style where he has the dual threat capabilities of running or passing and he kind of goes with the flow of things but to me it does not look like he is comfortable in that system yet now it's still early it's still new but he doesn't look like himself and he's looking like he hasn't learned from certain things before like fourth and one what are we doing passing the ball again you know what i'm saying like being in this position before you should know fourth and one man run the ball dump a fake pass to the left and run to the right. Like, don't repeat those same cycles. And for me, it just looked like he is trying to appease to the coaches, just trying to be um, someone who is not going to cause a scene or cause any friction and just doing what he's supposed to do and want them to do. But that's not always the case. And when they're paying you that much amount of money, tell them you want the ball in your hands. So for me, I just don't see that same confidence inside Russell Wilson as we would and have seen him before in previous times when he was with the Seahawks. So I'm waiting for him to be more assertive. And when he can do that, when he gets that back biting, he does, then I think we will see that same Russ that has had success in the league. But for me, when I look at him, I, I don't know who he is yet. I don't see that same dog. I don't see that same cat. And I'm waiting for that same dude to show up at some point during the season. So if that guy doesn't show up, these struggles are going to continue to be present. What are your thoughts on this, Chantel? What has been the biggest change you've seen in Russell Wilson this season? Where do I begin? Um, let's start off by the fact that he forced his way out of Seattle. And at this point in the season, Geno Smith is having a better year than him. And that's tough to say because the Broncos gave up a lot of draft picks. You talked about the amount of money that they're paying Russ. I think it's like 254 million. For 254 million, when you sign a deal like that, there's an expectation that you are a quarterback that is going to take this team to the Super Bowl. There's also an expectation that you're going to be a winning team. There's also an expectation that you will put the team on your back in order to win, which means running on fourth and one. Right. That means you don't pass on fourth and one. That means you run on fourth and one. And to me, it kind of tells me that there is some type of disconnect in the locker room between Russell Wilson and his teammates. And it's interesting that I say that because, of course, when there was the Legion of Boom before they ended up winning the Super Bowl in Seattle and Akeem, like when I don't know if you were living in Calgary at that particular time but you in Calgary they get all the games in Vancouver we get all the Seahawks games and I remember there was that rumor going around that there was a disconnect between Russ and his teammates 
and that he wasn't like that guy, like that leader. So it brings me to now believe is Russ that guy? Because from what I understand, he's really kind of to himself at times and just kind of does his own thing. So is there a disconnect between him and the players? Because there definitely is a disconnect between him and the coaching staff. Like we've seen this twice, right? That field goal that they kicked early on in the season when they played Seattle. And then now when Russ isn't running on fourth and one. That to me is weird. Um, it wasn't the right play because there was someone that was wide open on that throw anyway, but it was like a slant and, you know, Russ don't want to throw that stamp because he probably has Super Bowl nightmares, but it's interesting. And the thing about it is I'm going to give Russ the benefit of the doubt because at the same time, you could easily argue that he's been a top five quarterback the last like in years. Can we mm-hmm. say that? I think we could. I I think you could say he also has a significant amount of game winning drives, which is why I'm like, put the ball in his hands and let him cook. Don't make him look cooked because that's how he's looking right now. Um, But he has a resume. He has a Super Bowl. He has a lot of games where he's won. He's been one of the best quarterbacks in the league. So do I think that Russ is washed? No, but there's something going on in that locker room that I'm obviously not in and that I'm not aware of. And there's something going on. There's a disconnect between his teammates and the coaching staff. Once I think they get that figured out, they'll be better. But when are they going to figure it out? Because as we move along the season, like this is week five. Mm-hmm. Like this, you know, it's October. It's mid-October. <laughs> like, October's, I don't, done. I don't, October's done. It's done. October's done. It's almost Thanksgiving. Okay. It's <laughs> oh, and in Canada, we already had Thanksgiving and now you're about to have Thanksgiving. But yeah, it's this is a season that goes by really fast. So what's wrong with Russ? I think it's a disconnect. Mm-hmm. What's going on in Denver right now? There's some type of disconnect, whether it's between the coaching staff and Russ, whether it's between Russ and his teammates, they need to get that figured out because there's absolutely no chemistry on the offense. And you can see that from your couch. And when Bronco fans are leaving before overtime, and listen, I'm never going to give the Bronco fans too much props, but they have a great fan base, a great fan base. And they were leaving before overtime because that was the worst game I've ever seen. One of the worst games. I'm, I'll never get no, those like three and a half, four hours. Dude, I will uh, never get those hours in my life back again. And I so, stayed watching overtime. I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch. Maybe so, it'll get good. Ch- Chanel doesn't even watch sports like that. And we were watching. She won't game, after that one. <laughs> and, and she was like, yo, this game is boring. I was like, yeah, like she were right. It was, yeah, yeah. very tough to watch. Yeah. I mean, the Colts and the Denver Broncos should apologize to Chanel Haynes. because, like, that's terrible. Imagine like, that's like one of the first games you see ever. Yeah, like, imagine if you're a kid and that, that's terrible. Um, they, yeah, that was, that was brutal. But uh, my answer is there's a disconnect between Russ and his teammates yeah. and Russ and his coaching staff. And they have to figure that out and time is running out. And if it doesn't get figured out, what happens next? Because you signed into a $254 million deal. And yeah. that's not just a deal that you could just be like, Shh. you know what I mean? So that's my opinion. Akeem gave his point blank. Would love to know what you think is going on in Denver. Do you think Russ is cooked? Do you think he can still get to cooking? Let us know. Drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter and IG, and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us. From one struggling team to another, Akeem, the LA Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, what's up with them? And are they going to make the playoffs or are they going to miss the postseason? Your 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 crossover analogies this episode, Chantel, have been on 
point, man. You, you about to make me crack up every time. But look, let's get back into it, right? The Rams, a team that last year, who we said would be in the Super Bowl, right? I don't think that they're going to miss the postseason this year. I still think it's still early. And in that division, even though they're playing poorly, they're still second in the NFC West, which goes to show how you know bad that division is right now. Right. But I just think they haven't found their rhythm yet. They haven't found their flow yet. They haven't found that that thing that makes them special yet. You talked about last time having the hangover. Right. And I've never been hungover before. Right. So but I would assume <laughs> I would <It's> assume <laughs> right? like I would assume that, you know, the first day you wake up, you're a little bit dazed. Right. And then it takes a couple of days to get back into your system. You start to get your water in, maybe your Gatorade, get back into your oh lifting, your protein shake, and you get back to the flow of things. I still think they're at that hangover stage where they still have to get that water in, got to get that Gatorade in. And they are going to have to work out these kinks. And a lot of times teams go through these rut where they have to remember who they are and get back to that identity and what makes them them. So as bad as they are playing, they're still in a good position where they can start to build the momentum and turn things around. So while I think they'll still make the postseason, they're going to have to do a lot better, get a lot better, do a lot more if they want to repeat as champions or even make a deep run in the playoffs. But I think they are going to make the postseason. The good thing on their side is that there is still a lot of time in order to get things together. But they got to do a whole lot more with the time that they have. What about you, Chantel? We were high on them last year. You especially. What changed for you this year? What do you see? How do you see them finishing and moving forward? Well, you know how like Fat Joe is always like, yesterday's price ain't today's price? Yesterday's prediction ain't today's prediction, right, Akeem. Right. You know what I'm saying? Also, like you talked about the hangover, like the three day hangover, you want to die. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that's what the Rams have right now. They have the three day hangover. And that's when you just think you're going to die the whole entire time. The first day is rough, but this is like the first half of the season. Sounds and like you don't think Sounds like you're speaking from experience. I, no, it is experience. I never, after the three day hangover, I don't think I drank like that ever again. It was brutal. Um, so, that's what they have. They have like that first day hangover and you think it's going to be over and they'll be able to like regroup and boom, you're still like feeling sick the next day. And that's exactly what's happening with the Rams right now. When I take a look at their season, Matthew Stafford and Cooper cup have picked up where they have left off. They have Aaron Donald, arguably the best player in the NFL. Like he's unstoppable. The one question where I'm like, Hey, has anybody seen Allen Robinson? Because you guys just saw him and he's nowhere to be found he had three receptions in his last game that was a piece that they brought over that they were like whoa like you know this guy's gonna make an impact on offense he's been missing so to me that hasn't been a good move and I don't know if it's because him and Stafford didn't get enough playing time like in preseason or what but there's no chemistry there mm-hmm. um the one reason why I think the Rams are struggling the way they are is because their offensive line is injured right like it's in Colton Shelton's on the IR uh, Brian Allen's been dealing with some injuries like the list goes on and on and that's the biggest thing is because their O-line isn't healthy and that affects the offense that affects Matthew Stafford who you know is taking sacks here and there but most importantly this offense doesn't seem to have any chemistry and the run game is atrocious 
Like, mm, I yeah. don't get me wrong. Like, I like Cam Akers. And when he was at FSU, I was like, man, this kid's really, really good. He had 33 yards last game. Like, you're not going to win a football game rushing for 33 yards. Like, th- that's just not going to happen. And so that's another thing where I'm looking at. And I know the Rams didn't have the best rush game last year either. But 33 yards, that's, like, embarrassing. You know what I mean? You can't have 33 yards. Yeah, so I just think their offense isn't good enough. And when I think about the postseason, are they going to make the postseason? I don't think so. And I'll say it right here because there's a lot of competition. You actually have, at one point, we were seeing the NFC least. The NFC East has a 5-0 and team in the Philadelphia Eagles. The Dallas Cowboys are 4-1. and And the New York Giants are 4-1. and Will that keep up? I don't know. There's also the Minnesota Vikings, the Green Bay Packers, the Tampa Bay Bucks. I personally still believe in the New Orleans Saints. And Akeem, I know that was one of your sleepers. The San Francisco 49ers look really good. And I just don't think the Rams are going to make the playoffs this year. Maybe they'll be in the hunt, but like at the lower end of the hunt where they're, you know, they're not going to get it. And they just put them there for the graphics. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're looking at the graphics. You're like, they're not going to make it, but they're just in there just for like, you know, the defending champ. So do I think the Rams are going to make the postseason? No. And I listed the reasons why their O-line is injured and their offense is just not good enough this year. And that's apparent. And Stafford hasn't made any chemistry with him and Allen Robinson. Mm. And to me right now, that pickup is looking like a complete bust. So I don't think the Rams are going to make the postseason. Akeem has a little bit of hope. So uh, let's agree to in the hunt graphics, um, which, <laughs> which, is, which is where they're definitely going to be. Point blank would love to know if you think the LA Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, are going to make the postseason. Drop some comments in our YouTube section. You can also hit us up on Twitter IG and you'll see in the description below the ways that you can connect with us Akeem uh, we're going to move over from the gridiron to the hardwood actually because uh, there was some fist fighting we're going to talk about some fist fighting before we get into some actual boxing content where we're going to preview some fights um, but this was a one-sided fight it was Draymond Green actually punching out Jordan Poole it was like a sucker punch might I add and it was a video that was released, obviously, to TMZ um, that apparently could have gone from anywhere from like 10K <laughs> to like over 100K. But what were your thoughts on Draymond Green punching Jordan Poole and uh, break down what you saw? Like, give your analysis on what you saw on this tape. Draymond Green doesn't like that, man. Look, I've, 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 I've been in some environments. Look, Kim does not condone any type of fighting, right? I've been in some environments where I've seen a couple things. And you do not take a shot like that at someone if you do not have a serious problem with them that runs a little bit deeper than just exchanging of words. The man cocked the fist back, lunged forward with the strongest of leaps and clenches in that right hand and hit him clean, flushly. He didn't have to do that. As Draymond tries to be or is someone who is a leader on that team who holds himself to a high regard, as he always says, I'm the guy that makes this thing roll. I'm the energy. I'm the glue and this and that. Well, what was that? Right? I understand brothers and sisters and siblings. Yeah, they have scuffles and your friends. You got, you know, maybe you have little scuffles like that. But not like that. That was something deeper. That was something internal. That's a certain level of I don't really like you type of hit what that was. So if I'm Jordan Poole, right, if if that's me, I'm a. I got to get me some get back at some point. I'm not condoning the violence. That's not what I'm saying. Well, kind of what I'm saying, but I'm just saying, right? When someone hits you like that, there is something there 
this right, what I saw, man, based on my experience in the streets and from what I've seen, there's something deeper there. And it's got to be handled away from the court. Maybe they can do it some type of celebrity boxing, whatever the case may be. That's hot right now. But for Draymond Green to do that, honestly, man, I am surprised that Jordan Poole didn't call up some of the boys and says, you know what, we got to take care of this. Because that right there, if that was me, every single time that I would have saw Draymond Green, we're going to have to square up every single time. So for me, there was more than just basketball in that shot. That's what I got from it, Chantel. What did you see? What did you take from it? Well, the first thing that I took from it when I actually saw the video, I thought Draymond sucker punched him because you obviously saw, obviously saw them drawing back and <laughs> forth. Jordan Poole said something. Um, Draymond got up in his face. He pushed him and Draymond lunged forward with the straight right. And like it was out of nowhere. And I don't think Jordan Poole was expecting it at the same time. And you know why he wasn't expecting it? Because no matter what beef there is, you're not supposed to hit your teammate. Right? Not like that. Not sucker punching someone. And Jordan Poole looked like he was laid out. Oh, no, he was done. No, like, no, he was sleeping. He was sleeping. Yeah. You know what I mean? He was laid out. And I look at it and I'm like, well, let's take a look at Draymond Green's history. Because he's like kicking dudes in the nuts in the playoffs in the past. And he is like allegedly like tough guy. But that, um, what, tough guy allegedly? Oh, no. he's definitely, that's like a, no, a cap. Those are all caps allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> no, he did kick, kick. He, I forget who it was, but he kicked someone in the nuts a couple yeah, he, of times in the playoffs. And it was like, yeah. he he's always doing, he's always doing some foul stuff. And I'm just like, dude, like, I think it's kind of, I think he's kind of a sucker for it. Mm. Like, don't get me, don't get me wrong. Like I like Draymond on when he like does his analyst role when he's on TV. No, I, like I think he does a really good job. Do, do I like his antics? Like, yeah, I think on a team, you need that. Like on a championship team, like there was Rodman to the Bulls. There was Ron Artest, uh, Meta World Peace to the Lakers. Like, you know, you need that guy sometimes. And he is a firecracker and he, he starts like a lot of the positivity gets the guys going. You can't punch out your teammate though and be a sucker. You can't do the, you can't do the stuff that you're doing out there on the court, like kicking people in the nuts um, and do it to your teammate. So this is the same stuff. Like Draymond's always doing some stuff like this. Like he did it to KD, right? So really who is the problem? It's Draymond Green, right? I think this shows that Draymond Green thinks he's bigger than the basketball team. And to mm -hmm. be honest, if you want to win a championship, like we saw this happen with KD, right? Did they win the championship that year? No, they did it. And despite the fact that now they're like, oh yeah, we're brothers. We're cool. Blah, blah, blah. Like, of course they're going to say that. But do you come back from this? If this is going to affect their championship run, like the guy that's the problem should be moved because at the same time, Jordan pulls a young cat and he's played well, whereas Draymond Green is getting older, has a big contract. If he wants to zip over to LA, you'll let him because Golden State wants to win championships and he's clearly the problem. This isn't the first time. You always say, Akeem, that you look at the history of a person. Mm -hmm. I'm looking at the history of Draymond Green and not only mm -hmm. is he a sucker, but he's done this before and there's no excuse for it. You can apologize. You can say this and that, but you don't punch your teammate and it's wrong. And it was a sucker punch. Like if he was ready for it and they squared up and he punched him on, knocked him off, like whatever, like they knew it was coming. Like, you know, let's catch a fade. Like people do that with their friends, their families. Right. But like, this was a sucker punch and he just has a history of doing it. And I'm not a fan of it. So I think Draymond Green should be suspended for 
a period of time or the Golden State Warriors should trade him. Mm. Because despite the fact that he's a champion, like, I don't care. Like, they didn't win the year with KD because he started that stuff on the bench talking crazy to KD, right? And now he does this to Jordan Poole. So, yeah, like, he does have a pedigree of being a great guy, being a team guy, but he wasn't a team guy in that moment, and he has a pass to doing this. And that is not going to blow over, just like the KD situation didn't blow over. So my whole thing is move one of them, and in my opinion, I would keep Jordan Poole if I was the Warriors, and I would let Draymond go. And, hey, that's just that's just how it is. You can't treat your teammate like that. And if he did that to KD and he did that to Jordan Poole, Who's to say that he wouldn't do that to a guy like Steph and Clay, even if they're tight? And His the, history shows like, that he did it to KD, his bro. And so, those guys too, like those guys, those guys ain't warriors like that in the sense of fighters. You know what I'm saying? Like those guys just want to hoop. They want to play basketball. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't be doing that against a, a, a guy like a Rasheed Wallace. You know what I'm no. saying? <laughs> right? So, so for me, Rasheed exactly, Wallace would make Draymond Green cry. Like, let's just, let's, you know what I mean? Like, and that's another, you may bring up a good point. Like, look at Jordan Poole and look at Draymond Green. Like, is Jordan Poole about that life? Like, he doesn't look like it from just me watching from my couch. Does Draymond Green look like, no, he doesn't, but he acts like it, right? And one day he's going to act like it with somebody that does not play, like someone with a pedigree like Rasheed Wallace, and it's not going to be a good look. You know what I mean? So... I mean, that's yeah. my thoughts of it. I think Draymond Green should be suspended for a long period of time or the Warriors should trade him because that, that can't happen again. Like that's embarrassing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't think Draymond's going to personally leave, right. Unless they trade him. But I, I think right now uh, it's an interesting thing of what's going to happen next, but he makes some great points. Um, but Point Blank would love to know what were your thoughts on this situation when you first saw it. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out and then come back here and leave a comment and share your thoughts on what you thought about the whole situation. But we're going to go over to the actual real boxing yes. where people punch people legally and not land themselves um, in any trouble. Chantel, this is a big week of boxing. Um we spoke about, well, a couple ones we broke down before, and that's the women's side of it, where we have Clarissa Shields versus Savannah Marshall, and we had Alicia Baumgartner versus Michaela Mayer, which we already touched on. It is in our YouTube videos. And just as a quick recap, Chantel and I essentially had Clarissa Shields winning, and we had Alicia, did, you had Alicia yeah. winning. By we knockout. We both had Alicia Baumgartner winning by knockout. I think I said decision. I think it goes the full rounds. But if you would like to watch those videos, you can find them on our YouTube section. Go to the video, scroll down a little bit, and you will see it. But that is also happening this weekend as well, too. Bunch of different fights, but it, it should all run different times. So Thank God. boxing, yeah, boxing fan, boxing supporter, you should be able to catch all of them without too much trouble. But where we are going to go is we're first going to go down to a place that we talked about before where Devin Haney went down to Australia and became undisputed. Now the rematch is here. Same place against the same guy, George Cambosis. How do you see the rematch going, Chantel? What are your thoughts? Do you see anything different in this time around? Okay, so when I took a look at the rundown and I saw this on the rundown, I was like, man, I'm going to say the exact same thing. Like this fight is going to go exactly like how the first one went. 
George Cambosas is maybe he'll get a couple of more rounds. I would hope so. Like this is the second fight. It should be better than the first one. But in that first fight, Devin Haney dominated. Like I had it as a full shutout. I had him winning all 12 rounds and I thought he just did beautiful work. Like watching that fight, I was like, man, the performance that Devin Haney is putting on right now, it's absolutely unbelievable. His defense was good. He showed that you know, his jab was working all night. Like Devin Haney was just working the jab. His footwork looked immaculate and his defense is just totally reminds me of Mayweather. We say that so many times and Devin Haney, I'm looking at him and I'm like, man, who's going to beat this guy? Because it's not going to be George Cambosis. I'm telling you that much Um, because George Cambosis in that fight, like, yeah, he came into this one with some confidence because of what happened against Teofimo Lopez. But as I said in the past, like, Teofimo Lopez in that fight wasn't the Teofimo Lopez that we're used to seeing. He came in there loading up on shots, trying to knock George Cambosis out. And George Cambosis took advantage of the his emotions. The fact that Teofimo Lopez was so emotional in that fight. And he was able to, you know, do work, slip in, slip out, like land, counterpunch. That's what George Cambosis does. He's a good counterpuncher. He also actually has really good speed, in my opinion. But against a guy like Devin Haney, like you're not going to touch him a lot. You're not going to land on him a lot. Um, you know, so George Cambosis, in order for him to win this fight, because he's not a knockout artist, yeah. he's going to have to outbox Devin Haney. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to happen. Will he win a couple more rounds? Will it not be a shout, shutout? Like a shutout? I hope so, because that first one was pure domination. What I think will happen is I think Devin Haney will win like 10 rounds to two, maybe. You know what I mean? I, I'm going to be honest. I think he might win 12 rounds again. I'm that's how good he is against George Cambosis because the skill level is different because it's like coming into that fight with Tiafima Lopez. I don't know who had George Cambosis junior winning. I know I did not I know Tiafima Lopez was the favorite. So it's like he beats Tiafima Lopez and everyone's like, Oh my God, George Cambosis, let's give him some props at the same time. Like, you know, we kind of talked about this. I think he was trying to hold on to that belt as long as he could. You know what I'm saying? Because it's like, you're going to lose that belt sooner or later. Like you weren't even supposed to beat Teofimo Lopez. And now he lost against Devin Haney and everyone's like, man, he got like, he didn't look good in that fight at all. And now it's like, man, George Cambos is going to lose. So he does have the history of having cards stacked up against him, which I think, and he does have a lot of motivation. Like he talks about his child. He talks about what he's been through. Most boxers in the game have a crazy history. So do I think George, this fight against, Devin Haney is going to go any differently? No, but I think George Cambosis Jr. will make a lot of money. And if you wanted to, you could just walk up into the sunset <laughs> because I, I take a look at the lightweight division and I'm like, man, I, I don't know, George Cambosis Jr. Like enjoy this moment while you can, because this is a big stage. So I've got Devin Haney winning by unanimous decision. I don't really see it going any differently than the first one did. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, I, I don't have too much to add with that, Chantel. I'm in complete agreement with you. You know, the thing is, with Cambosis being a counterpuncher, it's hard to it's hard to be someone with the, with a counterpunching style, but it's hard to be someone who doesn't really make mistakes. You know what I'm saying? Like, Devin Haney is one of those fighters who fights within himself at all times. But there is always a round or two where Devin Haney gets caught with certain shots. In every fight, there's always that one or two rounds but you have to be able to capitalize off that. And even though he's had those one or two rounds where it's kind of like, yo, what are you doing? Maybe it's overconfident that this guard down a little bit. No one's been able to fully take advantage of that. Maybe Linares, but 
clipped him, but didn't take him out. And then he usually regroups and he says, you know what? I really got to dial in a lot more and make sure that it doesn't happen again. So for me, George Gambosis, you got to be able to take some risks, right? Because I don't see Devin Haney fighting any differently. He's been pretty consistent. He's going to fight the same style. He's got one of the best jabs in the game, right? So for me, what is George Cambosis going to do different? And for me, it's just trying to take more risks early, trying to really sell out because you're just, Haney's sound. He knows what type of fighter he is. He knows his skill set. If I know who I am, I'm not going to fight your game. I'm going to fight my plan. So how do you get Devin Haney to fight out of himself and disrupt his game plan. That's the challenge that George Cambosis is going to have to try to figure out as he's in the ring the second time. So I don't see it happening. And the reality is sometimes, Chantel, sometimes your best is just not good enough. Doesn't mean that you didn't have a great career. I hope he doesn't retire after this. He might. Fighting, he loses. I'm not, we're not counting anybody out. It's boxing. Anything can happen. But if we're, if we are watching the same fight and i've done the statistics on this before history shows and we saw it again with Ancahas and martinez's fight whoever wins the first fight usually wins the second fight because not a lot changes i don't see a lot changing in this fight so therefore devin haney wins again unanimous decision not completely counting george cambosis out because he's confident he's a good fighter i think he's actually a good fighter he's got good skills but i just don't think he's going to be able to do enough i think devin haney's just got his number and i think devin haney's just the caliber ahead of george cambosis sometimes your best just isn't good enough point blank would love to know your thoughts do you think anything changes in this fight if so how do you see Cambosis winning? How do you see Devin Haney winning? Let us know in the comment section below. Okay, Chantel. Now we have the heavyweights back in action this weekend. You know, heavyweight fights, what do we expect? We expect knockouts and someone who has gotten 42 wins by way of knockout is back in the ring. I'm talking about Deontay Wilder versus Robert Hellenish Chantel, the Nordic Nightmare versus the Bronze Bomber. What are your thoughts on this fight? How do you see it going? Yeah, you talked about Deontay Wilder's record really closely there. 42 wins, two losses, one draw. And when you talk about those two losses and that one draw, that is courtesy of Tyson Fury. It is his first fight since the trilogy fight against Tyson Fury where he ended up getting knocked out. He's 37 years old and he's coming into this one and he just faced a massive knockout, right? That was a great fight. Like one of the, fights in history and boxing that I think a lot of people will look to as being one of the best fights of this era, actually, because it was that entertaining. And at this point, like we know what Deontay Wilder can do, right? He has a vicious right hand that can put you right to sleep. And even in that trilogy fight, like he was dipping into that skill bag because of course he was working with a different trainer at the time, but he was, you know, working to the body at Tyson Fury where he looked a little bit different. And I was really impressed, but when I take a look at this and I'm like, man, he was jabbing, you know, we know that he has that vicious right hand at this point in Deontay Wilder's career, though, after coming off that Tyson Fury trilogy, what does he have to prove coming into this fight? He's 37 years old. Is it the fact that we're not sure if he is a Hall of Famer? Mm. Like, do you think he's a Hall of Famer, Deontay Wilder? Yeah. Yeah, I, I do as well. But when I take a look at the resume, 
which like what are his best wins? Is it Luis Ortiz? I think that was definitely one of his biggest wins. Chris Ariola, yeah. Um, Stavern. Like I'm, I'm trying to take a look at what he has to mm-hmm. prove at 37 years old after coming off of that Tyson Fury tr- trilogy. So those are the names that come to my list. And he's taking on a fight where he's going to fight Robert Hellenius. And I take a look at this fight and I'm like, well, you know, if he lost this fight, what would that mean for his legacy? Because at this fight, like it's legacy. That's all, that's all it is at 37 years old coming off this trilogy fight with Tyson Fury and Robert Hellenius. He's 31 and three. And he's been knocked out twice that, you know, so he has been knocked out before uh, his chin is sus, but at the same time, like he lost against Dillian white, I think. And also uh, Washington stopped him in the eighth. I think if I'm not mistaken. So Robert Hellenius though, at the same time, he's coming off two fights where he knocked out Kowanaki, right? Um, both of those knocked out knockouts. He also knocked out uh, Matias Osario as well, if I'm not mistaken. So he does have power. I think he has a really good jab, but like I mentioned, he doesn't have the best chin. And when we talk about stamina, I don't think this fight is going to go the distance. These two were also sparring partners. So they yeah. know each other really well. Uh, Wilder and him were sparring when Wilder was getting ready for that trilogy fight. And they're actually the same height. So usually Wilder like might have the height advantage, but they're actually the same height. But I do believe that Wilder has a little bit of a reach advantage in this. I think that's going to be a good fight because Robert Hellenius, like he's still one of those guys that is so tough and he is a good heavyweight to watch. He's really fun to watch coming off of two fights where he just knocked out his opponent. And then Deontay Wilder, what are we going to get from him? Because it's been a little bit of a layoff. He's 37 years old. He's coming off a fight where he was knocked out. So what are we going to get in this fight? I still think Deontay Wilder is the, I wouldn't say, okay, skill-wise, I don't know who I would give the edge to. However, like in a lot of fights in the past, Deontay Wilder hasn't been winning in the cards. And then all of a sudden, boom, he'll just knock you out. Right. Like that's the thing about Deontay Wilder. That's how real that right hand is. That's how real that power is. So, and the fact that Robert Hellenius, his chin is sus, like he, I don't believe in his chin. I'm going to take Deontay <laughs> Wilder to win this one in the mid rounds. And I think it's going to be like, I think he gets the knockout in round seven. What about you, Akeem? How do you see this one going? <laughs> his chin, I don't believe in his chin. You know, um, you know, there's a couple things, Chantel, that I want to touch on there. Uh, because look, if, 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 Chances are, if you are watching this show and you've been watching boxing, you know what Deontay Wilder is about, right? Deontay Wilder kind of reminds me of uh, the late Ernie Shavers in that style, where it's just that old school heavyweight power. Look, Deontay Wilder is not going to wow you with his footwork. He doesn't have the best head movement defensively, doesn't have none of that. He can, but it's not to the level of where it is of some of these other heavyweights, like Alexander Usyk of that nature, right? But you talked about um, sometimes he's losing on the scorecards against Washington. He was losing on the scorecards. Like a lot of the majority of the judges had him down like four, nothing going yeah. into the fifth. And then he took him out with that right hand. Um, and so we know the power of what Deontay has with that right hand. You'll, you'll use the jab, the left hand, which is like a flick just to gauge you just to kind of distract you. And you know, the right hand is coming And Once you're in, danger you're in trouble he's just going to be wild he's going to come your way and he's going to take you out and every single shot is like a death kill 
right? He literally said in an interview a while back, like he wants to kill somebody in the ring, like not even funny, but to this day, he's probably still believes that, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, so skill wise, I'm giving it to Hellenis, right? Because when I saw him against Kawanaki, man, I was actually very impressed with how he fought. I thought that was one of his best offensive repertoire that he displayed the quick hands, the jabs, the combinations, the uppercuts, man, he made Kawanaki's eye like basically shut. So I thought that that was a very great display of boxing that he did. He was moving around the ring as well, too. That's what he's going to need to do. You're not going to win a power match against Deontay Wilder like that. Very few people when they've been hit can stand up. Literally, it's really only been Tyson Fury that has gotten up from that shot. So his strength in this one is going to, he has got to move around, use the jab. He's going to have to land the combinations when he can. But the thing with both of these men too, because Hellenist fought Washington as well too and lost. And in the eighth round, he just looked gassed. He was done. And he let his hands drop and then he got clipped with the shot. But for the most part, he was fighting well that fight. He just gassed out. Well, Deontay Wilder gasses out as well. So if it does go into the sixth or the seventh round or the eighth round, who is going to not be gasping for air the less? And I think that's something to watch out. Although from what I understand, Deontay Wilder has been doing a little different training. He's been doing some road work, getting his mileage in a little bit different. So it'll be interesting to see how different it is when those things come into the ring. Uh, but let's touch real quickly, Chantel, on what you said about the Hall of Fame. You know, I think we both agree there. I do think Deontay Wilder is going to be a candidate for the Hall of Fame. And even though he did not win those Tyson Fury fights, who else has brought Tyson Fury into deep waters like that? Yeah. Right? Otto Wallen. Yeah, but do we really consider Otto Wallen a like the a, one of the top heavyweights? No, maybe Tyson Fury had an off night. I think Tyson Fury knocks out Anthony Joshua. I think, you know, Usyk would be a little bit different. That would be interesting, but styles do make fights, and Tyson Fury is a bigger man that can move, so it would yeah. be interesting. But I would argue, it's debatable, it's debate. I would argue that Deontay Wilder has given Tyson Fury his toughest fight today right so for me how he performed in those fights even though he didn't win man he beat everybody else that he got into the ring with regardless of who it was you still got to be able to take them out so it'd be interesting um to see how that would play out but i'm looking forward to this fight i don't see this going all the way but i will say this that came to mind Chantel. we saw what happened when deontay wilder goes into those seventh and those eighth round with Tyson Fury. Can Robert Hellenist drag Deontay Wilder into those waters again? Muscle memory, when your body is there, you often react to what you have just been through. And what Deontay Wilder has just been through was he lost the fight. Can Robert Hellenist bring him there? I don't think so. I think, nah. he, gets, I think he gets knocked <laughs> out in under seven round? rounds. Under seven. It's going to happen between like, sixth and you know between like one and six i think because they're training partners or they have sparred before that they know each other a little bit so i think it gets past four and five and i think right at seven or eight chantel i think that's when uh deontay clips him with some type of shot or a couple shots but 
I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt because they've been sparring partners. So they know a little bit of each other, but I don't see this going past eight rounds by no, no, I don't, I don't even see it going to the eighth round, but sidebar, when we talk about like hall of fame careers and we agree on Deontay Wilder. Um, and I think people will hate on me when I say this, but a, one guy that I think is going to get into the hall of fame is Anthony Joshua. Cause he has the best heavyweight resume. Like you look yeah. at his resume and you're like, whoa, like he did he didn't win against Usyk, lost against Andy Ruiz, but his resume, yeah, he also avenged Andy Ruiz. Like Anthony Joshua, despite whether you like him or not, despite whether you think he's overrated, I know this is not a segment about Anthony Joshua, <laughs> but he has the best heavyweight resume. Like, tell me who else has a better resume than him because he's got names on his resume. So I just want to throw that in there. Maybe that's a debate for another time. Point Blank would love to know your thoughts on the Deontay Wilde and Robert Helena's fight. How do you see it going? Who do you have winning? Let us know in the comments section below. Frustration. Man, I can think about so many times in my life should tell that I've been frustrated. Just the other day, I was frustrated with something. But how does one deal with frustration? How do we go about it and not let the frustration consume us? What are some tips that you would give when you get frustrated, Chantel. Ooh, I'm frustrated all the time. At least <laughs> once a day do I get frustrated. I'm frustrated right now. Um, <laughs> I got to be honest. I think frustration is, it's just a temporary feeling, right? I think what lingers is like the anxiety or the stress from the frustration, if it leads to that. Like, that's what happens with me. Like, I'll be frustrated about something. But it's just something, if it can easily be fixed, like that frustration is not going to last. That's why I say it's temporary, right? So what are things that you can do in order to maybe take away that frustration? Like if it's a deadline that you have to meet, if it's like some someone that's like, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to say, if someone that's pissing you off is making you frustrated, how can you take yourself out of that situation so you don't have to be in that situation? Um, I would just say, you know, take some time to think about it. Don't always react because sometimes your frustration can get the best of you. I've been in situations where my frustration has gotten the best of me too many times. And at this point in my life, I'm just like, man, if I'm frustrated about something, I'm just going to take time away from it and remove myself from the situation and think of it in a different aspect. Because when you take yourself out of situations and you think about something as a whole, like you might have a, a different outlook on it. And so that's what I've been doing. But I think the toughest parts is when that frustration leads to other emotions. Um, and that's where you, things can get kind of messy. And in my situation, like things like that stress me out. Like I, I can be an anxious person at times. I can be a stressful person at times. So I, I try to separate my frustration and look at it and give it some time before reacting and making emotional decisions. And I think that's the best way to do it, but uh, mm. it's a temporary feeling and everyone gets frustrated at some point. And maybe sometimes talking about it with, say, if you're frustrated with a person, talk to that person, or maybe take a little bit of a breather before you talk to that person, because you don't want that frustration to lead into other emotions that can get the most, best of you. What about you, Akeem? Yeah, I think you said it right there. Uh, frustration is an emotion. And as emotional creatures, as humans are, look, sometimes stuff get the best of us, especially when we're not, when we wake up and our mood may not be the greatest that day. Anything is going to trigger us, right? You know, you may be just minding your own business, going to the office or doing whatever, and then you stub your toe. You're, you're aggressive the rest of the day. You know what I'm saying? And that's from the frustration. So I think 
for me, when I get frustrated, man, the thing for me is like, I take a moment and just to sit with it and say, you know, what, what just happened? Is it really worth me reacting to it? And sometimes it is, sometimes it's not, right? But if you say to yourself, am I, is this really gonna bother me tomorrow or can I let it go? And if you can let it go, then let it go and don't dwell on it. But if it's something that you can't let it go, well, you need to find different ways how to chop that frustration down so it doesn't add up and then you start to explode, right? So it's gauging, is this something that I can let go of? Or do I really need to debrief and find out what the heck is going on here? So frustration, I always try and be even keel about certain things. And I try to not let my emotions dictate what I'm going to do. Because if you are just an emotional reactor, you're going to find yourself in some trouble. And it's not always legal trouble. You might find yourself in a cell. You know what I'm saying? Like some things happen, right? So I think it's very important that whenever you feel frustrated, take a moment take a step back and to think about, can I let this go? Or do I really need to dig deep and figure out what is going on and how do I go about it? So try to respond to life and not just react to the frustration. Whatever you react is usually just raw emotion and it's not the best. So I always try to respond, which means that I use a little bit of wisdom and experience behind it and not let the moment get the best of me. So that's what comes to mind when I think about frustration. There's a lot of, you know, it also reminds me of, of, of this thing that Mike Tyson says, he was like, man, like tough guys don't make good boxers, right? Tough guys don't win belts. And it's interesting when he even says that because, you know, tough guys just want to blow their chest, right? They want to seem like they're bigger than they actually are. And they come in no skill and they get pieced up, you know what I'm saying? Whether in the boxing ring or the streets, you know what I'm saying? So it is knowing all of those things that I just found interesting that came to mind just to finish out a funny analogy, but point blank would love to know, was there a time that you've been frustrated? Maybe you have some tips that helped you that you could share with us in our audience. We would love to hear from you. And of course you can let us know in our YouTube comments section below. So we've got a great lineup of boxing, a great lineup of things happening this week. We want to thank you again for tuning into the show. I believe we are at, what, 325 subscribers. Yes. We're going to continue to grow. And of course, we need your help in order to get there. So definitely share the podcast with a friend, your auntie, your cousin, your little cousin, your big cousin, whomever it is, share the podcast with a friend. And we again, thank you for watching. So with all that being said, I'm Keem Haynes. I'm Chantel Chen. And this is Point Blank. And we'll see you 